Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Alrighty. Alrighty. Here we are. We're doing it. All right, I'm I'm keeping an eye on my internet. It looks like it's it's only improving. So thanks be to God. Hmm. Isn't hmm. it weird how internet is kind of like the weather that way? At least it is sometimes in my house. Yeah. Like, I... Is Comcast gonna bless me today? <laughs> <laughs> Have you said your prayers to it and offered up your sacrifices? I try not to. I feel like that's close to idolatry. Comcast is what? competitively, it's competitively transcendent though, not uncompetitively right. transcendent. That's what it's I was Beyond say. me, but it's still, their success is my loss. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Stupid Comcast. Ugh. How is yeah. it not a monopoly, by the way? I don't, I, I don't understand business, but. I don't think you can get internet from anyone else. Okay. <laughs> and they charge you whatever you want. Yeah. They're like, this is how much internet costs. And this is how I much. Don't... Sorry, there's just a lot of people using it right now. And so you get this many. You get We've less. talked about this before, but I mean, I don't understand the internet in general. No, I don't. But know like, have we figured out what the dark web is? I mean, we talked about this early on in the podcast and I still don't get that. No, that's, it's like. No, it's like a dream within a dream. That's we're talking about basically inception of technology yeah. here. Like, and is we don't Bitcoin even understand. Related? Oh, it's no, definitely it's related. I don't know where it is, but it's definitely related. Bitcoin is only related in that some people use Bitcoin on the dark web because Bitcoin is a pretty anonymous way to transfer value. Exactly, right. dude. But without yeah. saying too much, I was called by uh, someone who received a fraudulent claim with my some identifying data on it that was not from me and he said mm. they likely got it on the dark web and that they've gotten a lot of these since uh 2020 hmm. so i think there's i think of sinister things when i hear the dark web theft and stealing and yeah selling of bad things but that's definitely happens it's the it's where internet rocket launchers blow up buildings and mm -hmm. yeah I, the way that I understand the internet is uh, like there's a robot. It's okay, a series of tubes. That yeah, well he's he's in the center of the series of tubes and he has like certain internet points and uh, it basically is located in like a big treasure chest and he kind of sends out internet points through the tubes to certain people like mana exactly it's exactly like mana for it's it's mana that comes through the tubes of comcast mm -hmm. and you get a little bit here and a little bit there you know and then the dark web is a layer underneath that and well this is kind of an honest question but did comcast build the tubes and is that why we pay them i <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely sounds like a monopoly right and like I'm pretty sure their headquarters is like stationed on a place called Boardwalk as well. So it's like 
pretty obvious. I don't know. They have the top hat and that monocle. <laughs> yeah, everybody there wears thimbles and drives around <laughs> these little old fancy sports cars. Roadsters with one seat. <laughs> I will say, talking about this, not the Monopoly aspect, a little bit, but not not as much, but prepping just makes more and more sense to me, honestly. Because, like, what if the tubes go down? Like, where are the tubes? What if they go down? Well, here, here's a, uh, a thought experiment. We were running when we were camping a couple of days that I was out there in Colorado with the guys. And then I, I brought it up um, at my dad's birthday. A couple of my guy cousins were in town I don't see very often. And this would just, like, really was in our wheelhouse in terms of guy conversation. What what if hap- what would happen? Um let's say everything went down. Okay. And you were by yourself and you had nothing except nature and all of Wikipedia printed out. Like basically you had all the knowledge that you could carry with you all the time of all of human history, but you didn't have any, uh, one, the machines or the infrastructure, or the materials to like build anything. You had to do everything from scratch and you yourself didn't have the skills. You had to kind of like learn them or teach them to yourself. Um, how far into human civilization could you get in one generation? And the question, I mean, a big question is, uh, would you have other people on your side? You know, could you convince other people that this was worth trying to progress and like, let's figure out how to make iron guys. I think there's some iron ore up there and let's melt it. Let's make some clay pots and just trying to work out in our heads. Like what, what could I do or figure out how to do to make even like rudimentary tools? Um, but a big question is like, will, will people be on your side? Because a lot of human uh, energy in that prehistorical time went to, I think, defending yourself and your stuff and your property rights and whatnot. And also not dying. Like, how do I get food and also not sick? <laughs> um but I do think about that, like the prepping and my, co- my reason I brought this up is my cousin said, that's why the prepper is a myth because, uh, there's no, there's no such thing as the lone prepper. Like if everything does go down, everybody's gonna have to work together and you just having enough bottled water in your basement is not going to do much, you know, cause you need a, you need a civilization to survive. Hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, it would have to be, it's an interesting, I've never really thought about it. If So you're talking about like, hey, if it goes down for good. Um, right, I guess the prepper I've, is I've, I've always said thing. I, I think the prepper, I don't speak as one, I just aspire, okay? <laughs> um, but I think, I would I would guess like the the prepper is, it's more the mentality of like, this lets me survive for two weeks, which hopefully I would guess like things are more stable then, hmm. you know, or something has stabilized. Um, but like, could you survive 10 days? Could you survive 30 days or something like that? But man, if you're talking about it goes down for, for good levels. You're I mean, it's back a good, to the stone age and you have I to get start the, from scratch. I get the question of like the interesting aspect is, you know, could you get people to work with you? to actually build something and do something. Call me pessimistic. I don't think so. Not in the scale of time, 
that like you would, you know, the frame of the question is insinuating, I would say. I mean, that stuff has developed. It just takes too long, you know, generations yeah. maybe, but no, not in, not in like five years, I, I don't think. But then that also brings up the interesting question. Let's say you, you get a generation raised up that's never seen uh, billboards and iPhones and airplanes and stuff. But you you saw that stuff, but it's all gone. Um, so you have this kind of implicit motivation to get back to that level of civilization that we were at. Um, but if you couldn't, if all you have is like sheets on Wikipedia, and you never enjoyed that civilization, and all you all you're worried about is like staying warm in the winter and stuff, it just it kind of like exposes how different we live than most of human history. Most human beings have lived exposed to nature and stuff. We're very insulated, which is nice, but um, like it would be hard to explain why it's good to just sit at a, on a couch and like stare at a screen to someone who's like out hunting buffalo or whatever, <laughs> you know, and has never done that. Yeah, it. Yeah. So, cause you're not talking about things going down and the infrastructure collapsing, like an apocalypse situation, like Mad Max type thing where like the ruins of it are, are about you and everybody else has seen it. You're talking about going back in time in a way. Yeah. But you're the only one who's seen it. Cause I, I think that would be the harder part is trying to, well, one generation of people would, would have seen it, but then you have that much time to try to build it back, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think that's the hardest part is contextualizing the information that you have. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, how do you describe uh, what an iPhone is? I also love the fact that you clumped in together. What did you say? You said iPhones, like sports cars. Billboards. Billboards. Yeah. <laughs> like billboards is the apex of human <laughs> development. Okay, there's big signs in the sky. Right, we, got, we got a car, we got a road. Now let's, there's a road that lots of people are driving on. Let's put up That's a sign. Fascinating. Did, did you say cell phones, iPhones, airplanes, and billboards? <laughs> I was just thinking of things that you would definitely not have. Okay, this one can communicate with basically anyone in the world. This one can take you anywhere in the world. And this is a sign. On the road. <laughs> it's a, it's a stagnant picture. Balding treatment. <laughs> yeah. I think like what about what about like bigger, maybe a little bit more abstract con concepts? I, how would you explain like retirement? Like has that ever been a thing until mm. the last hundred years? Yeah. You know? because um, I it's, it's awesome, you know, like the notion of retirement. But it's like no, here's this here's this point in your life where like all your needs are taken care of besides, you know, I mean, taking care of your your physical health and everything where like you don't need to work and you just go buy whatever you need to eat or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That would be an interesting concept to try and explain in that way. Yeah. I wonder if there was something like a natural retirement that took place in the, yeah, like the the hunter gatherer situ uh, civilizations or agricultural civilizations that like you're pretty old and you did a pretty good job. Now you just sit back and you, we take care of you now, let everybody else provide for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's my first thought was East of Eden. Uh, the guy, Samuel, 
who uh-huh. has to be convinced to get off his land, stop working. It's just pointless now. Yeah, Go let true. your kids take care of you. Mm-hmm. So certainly an agri- agrarian, and that's a modern book, but I would guess in an agricultural society, yeah, you work to the you can't anymore. But it's not like you're going to go down to Florida and golf. I mean that our right our concept of retirement relies on a certain economy where you can like store up your value in a you know stock market and all that over time. To where then you have, I mean, certainly prehistorically you couldn't have it because you don't necessarily have property or stores of value that that you can count on for that long. You know. That's part of civilization is being able to make decisions over long term uh, periods of time rather than like, hey, we might get attacked by a roving band of barbarians or a rival tribe and all our stuff is gone. Like we can plan. Yeah, I'm saving for retirement right now. I'm not thinking about it at all, but I'm saving for it. Right. Which is a trust in the stability. Yeah, it was trust in civilization that you exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I, I I have seen a YouTube video, and I think this is what we're all looking for here, of a guy who goes shed to, some light, dude. Yeah. Shed some light. Let me just preach this right quick. All right, uh, this guy he goes into I, I'm not exactly sure what what part of Africa, but he integrates himself into a tribe that exclusively hunts baboons and eats them. And that's like their food. So they, they follow them. They're, the way I understood is like pretty nomadic. Um, and so they're just living day by day. You know, it's the old uh, paycheck to paycheck, except it's like monkey Baboon to monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy asks uh, like some of these deep perplexing questions. Like what's the meaning of life? What What constitutes a good day? When are you happy? And... All the the tribe's response is almost exclusively about whether or not they have monkey food or not, hmm. and that's about it. Uh, which is is very fascinating. Um, I was kind of hoping, <clears throat> you know, for the the objective connection with the transcendent that all people possess, and the search for meaning and and truth and beauty that this guy who'd never heard of Christianity was going to like drop some uh, beautiful explanation of where he finds meaning in his life. And, but nope, he was basically like, I want to kill monkeys and eat them for my family. Right. That makes a good day. And uh, yeah. And there was really nothing, nothing, not much else to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, How old was this guy? He's pretty young. I mean, he's like a a, a young adult. I I put him at like thirty. I wondered if I I'm just wondering if you had asked like an elder in mm. the in the group who's yeah. been at it for a while. Because I I just think there's something in the human heart, and maybe this is because I don't have enough to do, so I can sit around and think about these things. I don't have to kill monkeys to not die, but I get, I just can't believe that you wouldn't get to a certain point in life and think like, yeah, but no matter how many baboons I kill and eat, like I'm still going to die. And what's beyond that, you know, I just believe so firmly that that is an impossible question not to ask. Right. 
Yeah, that is that is a good observation of how old he was because I think at that point he's like the primary breadwinner, not right. just for himself, but and that is meaning providing. giving. That oh, it's gives very, me a lot of meaning. Well, and, and his whole, all of his value and focus is geared on allowing other people to survive, which right. is deeply meaningful. Yeah, your life is not about you, and that's honestly what you know. Something <clears throat> I think is criticizable about our culture is comfortable and as much as we can ask the questions of like what's going to give my life meaning and what's going to actualize me there aren't a lot of just like lanes you have to pick that are not about you and just go do this thing that cares for other people and stop asking what's going to give your life meaning or or who do you think you are what's your identity or blah 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 but go do something go do this thing and don't think about it too hard and you know it's kind of like ignorance is bliss you're almost better off sometimes when a culture forces you into uh, a role of responsibility where you have to grow up and to, and do stuff for other people. But it's also, I know it's all, it's close to the ant farm too, where you just get dumped in the ant farm and then you dig and you're like, well, what's the point of this digging? Um, you're just digging to nowhere and then you die and you just try to eke out a little bit of fun or pleasure while you're doing it. Um, but I don't know, again, that's a, it's sort of an attitude thing because you could, you could look at the baboon killing, or you can look at going up in your high rise and working with your Excel spreadsheets, both as the same kind of meaningless digging, but you know, what is the intention or what's the end of it all? What's the point of it? Is it to care for your family, to love your family, to grow into who you're meant to be? Or is it like working for the weekend or? Um, yeah, man. In the words of Father Emery de Gaulle, do you have a Montblanc pen in order to work, or do you work <laughs> in order to have a Montblanc pen? You know what I'm saying? You just distilled it. Absolutely. That's that, it. That makes you want to knock on my desk. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a uh, shift there, but I'm reading, I just, and I'm only like 60 pages in, and this is a massive book, but I've really liked it so far, but I just started uh Christian Lavrin's daughter. Mm. Oh um, man. Have you guys read this? No, I never yeah. have. Yeah. I've heard um, many, many good I read things, it. I, I, yeah, I read it maybe a year and a half ago, something like that. I'm very excited. I had many people recommended it. And then, um, a friend, again, I'm a, a spiritual director for she gave it to me as a gift and so i started it and um yeah i really like it uh, so far but like i said long long way to go um but i i've already had the thought um because that's singred unset i think is the uh the author of it and apparently she has like a biography of saint catherine of siena that, that i, I have read someone gave yeah, i've heard me. that's excellent was that mm-hmm. good it was good um but apparently she's considered at least to be kind of like a true master of the understanding of like these, you know, medieval cultures and way of life and everything like that. But already I've just had the thought multiple times of like, man, this is just, it's beautiful because it is the human experience. And so you're already how she, she writes. It's very detailed. It kind of reminds me of Tolkien kind of reminds me honestly of like a mix between Tolkien and, um, 
Steinbeck so far because it's just like this grand like detail and hmm. kind of like sweeping scope and um, everything, but it's also like just intensely, you know, kind of focused on on just like a few people on a small like part of the prism um, and all that. But and that could change. I don't know, but that's just so so far. But anyway, I've I've had the thought. It's like, man, I just this is so different like how they would have lived and experienced life and and it it's like similar in a way but like just different like i'm trying to figure out like there's there's priests that are like there with the families and like these little villages but like even the structure it's like what's happening like this is just so different than it is um today of like how it functions and who's in charge and um everything. So I don't have much more. Like I said, I'm just getting into it, but it's been interesting. I, was that your experience reading it, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's a cool way to say it, that it's like, she really does situate you in a whole nother world, but then it's also with a particular family. And so there's like this big general shift uh, and huge story that she's telling, but then it's also th through the lens of yeah, Kristen Lavron's daughter. Um, yeah, and the way that the whole society is structured, that it helped to make sense of, yeah, I mean, they, they don't live in a big city, so maybe cities would have been different. But for the most part, like farmers, people who were just um, kind of living on their own independently, they would have had to have tons of help and tons of uh, like resources that other people would have would have come and would have been sustained by, which in and of itself like creates a little community. So each household would have had, you know, obviously the family there, but then all of like the helpers, all of the workers that live there, well, they would need a place to stay and then they have families. And so then you have families living with other families, but then you also have a natural hierarchy that's present there within this little community that's formed around one household. They're like, that just doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, this is like totally other. Hmm. Um, but I get the appeal of it. Uh, hmm. when, when they talk about feasting and their celebrations, because uh, they, would, they would work so hard, um, but then they would come into these big halls and have these bomb parties with like the Lord of the land. And you know, I, I, yeah, I guess I would hear that language and like, I don't really get what that means. This is like a guy that they voted on and he's the Lord and now he takes care of all their stuff. And like, oh no, he's the reason that anybody else has jobs and uh, is connected to one another. Like he's the guy that they're all working for essentially. Not in a, like a servile way, but as a cooperative kind of a thing. Um so my favorite, yeah, that's just ramblings, I guess, of it. But my favorite character is Lavrons. So Kristen's dad, he's like the coolest book character mm. I've ever read. Wow. The guy's amazing. I think at one point legitimately, and I may have misunderstood this, but this is how I took it. <laughs> okay. He this said. So, that's good. Yes. Continue. This could yeah. not be it, but this is what I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, this is just my own subjective experience of what I read, okay? <laughs> Relativism in literature. 
that he discerned the priesthood um, and chose against it, not because celibacy was tough or like he, he couldn't forego being married. It's because he loved war too much. And he knew as a priest, he wouldn't be able to take up his, like his blades and his skill and be able to crush people's skulls. And he just, he just couldn't give it up, man. And so he just couldn't be a priest. Wow. Like, cause he loved, he loved making war too much. Mm, like, wow. man, <clears throat> I never heard that one before. I yeah. talked to a lot of seminarians, talked to a lot Different of people age. discerning. Yeah. It was yeah. like the, the glory of combat is mm. it's too noble. And like, there's, yeah, there's too much dignity to it that he, he couldn't give it up. That's cool. I, you know, I like, even you're describing the Lord of the house and the way that that household all work together in concert and also feasted and, uh, concert like they, there was this rhythm to the house makes me think of economy oikonomia is the, like how the running of a household and our whole our our understanding of economy or economics is all by analogy to that that you have all these people doing the division of labor people doing different things but we tend to think of households i always heard oh economy comes from the greek oikos meaning house like running a house and in our society it's so you know, you have your nuclear family house with your, you know, <clears throat> 2.5 kids and the dishwasher and the washing machine and like mom and dad both work. And you're like, what is it? How is this like the economy of my country? You know, it, but that period in history, that medieval for, for whatever good or ill, I mean, they worked really hard and had, didn't have the medicines and stuff that we have. We have a very complex economy now. But a very simple home economy where you don't really have to know very much. You just buy the stuff you need. You don't make your own clothes. You don't even wash your own clothes. You put them in a machine and all that. But there's something communal. There's something like almost on the human scale in something like what you just described, the Kristen Lavendotter universe. You're like that's what a community is. It's based with the headship of a, of a lord who is not necessarily good or bad. You just kind of need him, you know, like the church needs a bishop. Um, they can, you, they can abuse their power. They can, you know, use it for good. And, but the, the reality is hierarchical and there needs to be one center, you know? And so like that makes sense of the incarnation and Christ, the King and Lord of Lords and all these parables of the household and the vineyard and come work in my fields. And, that there's a communal aspect, but there's labor to it that is life-giving. Um, right. It, it makes sense because it's also not, uh, it's not manufactured. Um, like the, the way that culture and community is structured. So it's not democratic and it's not from the top down, but it, it just develops organically. Um, and I think yeah, a like lot of times, thought is, did somebody elect this Lord? And yeah, like, what is this guy? Like, Who does he think he is? Right. Like, I don't know. He just was born into this and his father. That's why the English royal the family farm. makes no sense to me. Like, who, who are you people? Yeah. Why uh, do you, why do you have any say? <laughs> I are you the Duchess you? of that's whatnot? <laughs> that's what, <laughs> that's the Monty Python line. 
scope some watery tots had headed out swords from a lake. I didn't vote for you. Like, that's that's our idea of how people come into positions of power that they that they start to rule in the hierarchy. But but like, there's no concept of that. It, it's just the way that it that humans naturally organize themselves. Uh, with limited resources, you need to have somebody who's in charge of these things, and um, it's not a competitive relationship, but it is a necessary structure that takes place. And uh, and I, I remember um, Doctor Hilliard talking about this idea of monarchies and the way that rulers would, you know, they weren't elected; it wasn't a democratic process, but they were just kind of born into things, and. He would say it like it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's like just the way that it was. And sometimes you would have a Lord that people loved serving because he served them. And Lavrons, this character in the book, is like such an amazing leader that people want to give their life for him because he's all about them. And so he's, he serves in this really dignified, beautiful way and, and is a true servant, is a very devout man and like very, very pious and runs his household well and takes care of his, the people that live um, under his domain. But heck, like his son, it's just going to be born into that, you know, or whoever his daughter marries. Um, maybe he's a chump and you're like, oh shoot, now we got a chump that we work for. Hmm. Well, hopefully they have some good kiddos that my kiddos can work for them, you know? But that's a very foreign concept for us. Yeah. Like, why don't let's impeach him. <laughs> right. They thought very long term there in terms of generations. Like, dang it, our generation got a bad Lord. We think of mm-hmm. like, just wait another couple years or four years and we can de-elect this person, fire them. Yeah, because what are you going to do? You're going to like pick up your whole everything and move to another farm to work for another Lord? That lives, you know, like on the other side of what it, it takes place in Norway. Is that right? Yeah. 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 It's like 14th century Norway, I think. Yeah. You know, what you're what I'm picturing right now mountains? is yeah. uh, the founding fathers listening to us talk, <clears throat> being like, you know, why do we have elections and why do we have like checks on power? Why, why don't we just have like <laughs> lords again? That would make community so much better. <laughs> like John Adams is just <laughs> gritting his teeth. <laughs> idiots idiots no man that's like well that's how i i listen to a lot of um like peterson stuff it's like it's this constant you have to kind of check yourself of and what's cool at least starting this book too of um and it's i remember like hearing like george weigel speak one time and he's like, I can't remember how he worded it, but he was like, listen, I would have loved to have lived in like the height of Christendom, you know, just like this certain order to time and, and community and civilization and everything. But he's like, I also love, what did he say? It was like bourbon whiskey, modern dentistry and anesthetics or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but Peterson's thing of like, you know, we live as a whole without a doubt, not there's, there's a lot of disparity in today's world. And I mean, yeah, all that is certainly recognized, but um, it's like we live 
it just like no one has ever lived in history, you know, and, and something got us here, like certain structures and things like that, that are, that's really good. But I think you do, you have to like press it in some ways of um, like, Hey, where, where are we? Or at least in, in kind of like the realm of personal responsibility, where are we like not living I, this is a cheap way to say it, but like not it's at least it's cliche, but like, where are we not living as human beings? You know, like how where are we, we living baboon to baboon? Yeah. I Even guess. though we don't yeah. need to. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yep. I agree. Well, I think. Well, hold on. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Cause the baboon to baboon thing seems pretty human to me. It so, doesn't, it doesn't. Well, yeah. I think you get Where, to it. My my opinion, just real quick, is that you go from a stage of human human civilization development where you have to live baboon to baboon, but then you store up enough baboon meat or crops or whatever that you don't have to worry so much about not dying. That you can like spend some time thinking, making art, culture, ritual, and then you get so comfortable like we are now that you can't think of anything to do with your time or something like we're just too distracted that you go back to just like work a haul, you know, baboon to baboon, paycheck to paycheck, just to buy more modern luxuries. So there's some like sweet spot there where <clears throat> you're not so rich that you've made riches an idol, but you are rich enough that you can relax and have leisure. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if there's a, if there's a spectrum, then like baboon to baboon would be, I love this, <laughs> is would be on the most uh, primal end of the spectrum. So it'd be like, okay, this is something that we can develop from. Okay, this, so this is not the apex of human civilization, baboon to baboon. But then on the other end of it, it's also not sitting alone by yourself in a civilization that's so structured and so safe and so stable that you're investing all of your paycheck into a future uh, to like a retirement 70 or 50 years down the road, but there's no pressing responsibility. Uh -huh. So one, the baboon to baboon is like so deeply ingrained in your community, in your family, in the day to day that you're connected to reality in an intense way, but there's not the stability that allows you to develop over time and yeah, to allow good things to flourish um, in a long-term way. The other one is it's so stable that you're almost disconnected from the day-to-day. -day. So there's actually right. no personal responsibility or, or no, there's no pressing reason for you to engage with reality that day. Like mm -hmm. we can take days off. Right. I'm not going to adult today. That's a t-shirt. Yeah, no, and I... I was at a <clears throat> wedding a few weeks ago. I was talking to the mother of the groom and she grew up in a dairy farm with a hundred some cows <clears throat> and she had to do three milkings a day. So she would get up in the middle of the night, like four 30 in the morning, do the first milking, then come home early from school to do milking at two 30 and then wake up at midnight and do the nighttime milking all while going to school. And I, if I ever need milk, or milk substitutes because my guts can't handle it. I just go to the store and there's always milk there. And so long as I have money, um, which I mean, that's the paycheck to paycheck thing. Do you have enough money to buy the things you need? But you don't, you're not as in touch with the 
like production of the things that make your life go. And that's where that disconnection, the baboon life is no life for me, but to be totally cut off from that baboon that's on my plate, there's also, there's something kind of alienating about that too. And I think that's what we're experiencing, you know, and she, she was like, I just want my kid. I didn't want my kids to have that life, but I didn't want them to not know it. You know? Yeah. Is, is camping an attempt to, to go back to like, okay, I just got to feed myself today. I just, is that an attempt to go back to that close connection? I, th- I feel like that's a Seinfeld bit. Like the per- the guy that invented air conditioning is like, why are you in a, can- a tent now? Like we we're so weird that we go back in time. But I think it is. There's something about going out to the edge of civilization to outside the city to sleep on the ground and be a little bit more exposed. I found right. it really helpful when I was growing up in the suburbs that we'd go on campouts. It's like you have you have a bed. No, I'm going <laughs> to sleep on the ground here. <laughs> right. uh, well, I should get going. What yeah, Rob, I, I think about, you're going to love that book, man. Yeah. So is, can I ask you real quick, the, so Lavrons is the Lord of the land. Is that right? Yeah. Um, he's, yeah, he's the Lord of, of their community. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Spoiler alert. So I, I think they have, <laughs> yeah. And then it, it's cool to see how like nationally or as a territory, uh, I, I don't know how official like Norway was at that point, but how all the various lords, there's even a hierarchy between them, you know, because right. they right. all have to engage in um, like communal activities and, and interacting with one another to some extent. And so I, I know that they do have a king, but um, yeah, I can't remember all the details of, of that, but he is one of the lords of Norway at the time. Hmm. He's, he's awesome, dude. Yeah, no, he is. It's, I love it already. Like a, he's such just, a beast. <clears throat> yep. How far in are you, Rob? Sixty pages. Like sixty pages. It all is all. I might, cool. I might I'm try to catch to up to you. Erin Stockdale mentioned that her book club was reading that recently, and I've heard many people say great things about it. Yeah, Monica loves it. Yeah. Um. Okay, I do need to get going. I gotta celebrate La Misa. All right, celebrar. Muy bien. Hey, <laughs> last thing. If if the grid does go down, I give you guys three days, and I give myself three and a half days before we're all dead. Because so, you're bottled water, it. you got yourself an extra right. half day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, just the the storage components. I'll freak out, eat everything, and then I'll <laughs> <like a> half day. <laughs> Dude, I'm just gonna go. I already know my plan. I have whey protein, and uh, I'm just gonna. <laughs> Just start eating whey protein. I've got a bunch of gummy bears. <laughs> you got to take it easy on the gummy bears, Connor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. See you, dudes. All right. Later. Later. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode 
are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.